<laughs> this show just got super and fantastic at the it same is. damn time. Let's go. Everybody back. Everybody's back. We back. With a joint. Sound effect. Well, look, since we only have 33 minutes, we only got, I'm going to give you three minutes to get this song out and check these mics. Who's starting? Oh. Figure it. I'm starting. Let's go. Try Jesus. Don't, don't try, try me. me. <laughs> Cause I throw hands. I'm done. I, my, my, I'm set. Cause I throw hands. Mm-hmm. Welcome to the Black Futurist Podcast, <laughs> where where black parents like me are dealing with sending my kids back to school, and also dealing with my own COVID paranoia. So we opt for what <laughs> teaching at home. So I want to yeah. know how what you're dealing with. And I'm going to share what I'm dealing with because I've got a couple things that are brand new that I know are, are a problem. So, Jay, you said that you, your daughter is actually downstairs right now on a Zoom call. Is that, that can't be school related, though, because you're on the East Coast. Right. So she's on a um, she gets reading enrichment. We have been doing this since kindergarten. So this part actually is not new at all. It's usually on a Sunday. So we have uh We've had more flexibility in the past, but um, so it's a reading enrichment to, you know, keep her, get her where she needs to be. She's fine. But um, so that part isn't new. She was doing Zoom that for, you know, a couple of years. Everything else has been added on. So uh, prior to this Zoom Zoom reading call, she was on a Zoom piano lesson call. Actually, you guys will love this. Uh, shout out Miss Didi from Howard. Um, so she is teaching uh, Lotus. She is in Baltimore, I believe, and teaching my daughter piano lessons um, on Zoom. Oh, nice. I have to teach, yeah, I have to teach a Zoom yoga class uh, right after this. Been teaching this group of ladies from coast to coast, literally from California to North Carolina um, since May. Every Monday and Thursday. So life is different. <laughs> you know, this is also ties right into what you're dealing with, uh, Ferg. You recently, just before COVID, opened the second dojo closer to the house. So you got some time back. But how does it work losing that, tacti- that tactical piece for the time that we were in quarantine? Um, you, I see you maybe back in the dojo now, but how are you able to, to deal with distance learning for a thing that actually is typically taught hand to hand? I would tell you this, man, it was not a problem for me. And the reason being is because I finished my PhD in 2009 from Capella University. And when the world was, uh, you know, parting their ass and shitting on online learning, uh, I had already been doing it already. I I teach over 12,000 students on Udemy.com. I have push and play products online that I've been doing since 2000 and 2005. Mm -hmm. It wasn't a, it wasn't a big deal for me. The hard part was the engagement of individuals who who are not used to be to receiving that type of education. Right. The doling out the doling out of the material was 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 easy for me. I had an opportunity to talk to another bison, um, Dr. K. Ron Wilson, and she was like, "Man, it's different teaching online than it is teaching in person." She says, "All oh, the jokes are different and the interaction is different." I said, "Yeah, it's 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 different. It's not the same." 
uh, and you have to know how to provide a, a collaborative education approach, which means sometimes it's, it's, it's part lecture, part PowerPoint, part audio, and then you have to dole out what everybody needs because some people are audio learners, some people are audio visual learners, some people still need something on the tactile side where they can touch and grab and feel. Um, that you have to provide dummy training for people. So I didn't have a problem with it being a being an educator and being an online space for a long time. It was really, really good for me. The the difficulties for my children when it came to that particular space is they want to be more social. Kids had a really hard time this summer because they weren't able to do all the things that they used to do, you know, like the Disney worlds and the bush gardens and the and the going out and the summer camping and the, the, the things like that. Those right. things weren't available for children. So they, they were looking forward to school. And that wasn't available. When I wasn't available for little Radi, she she cried a little bit. For me, and this is good for your listeners, I'm in the in the uh, divorce space. So when it came time for making the decision whether the kids were going to go back to school or not, I was really um, encouraged that both my ex-wife and I, we were really big on the education mm-hmm. piece. She's a medical doctor. She's really big on the on the safety portion. And we totally 100% agreed about not sending the kids back to school and they're doing what's called Florida virtual school. The beautiful thing about Florida virtual school is I've done it before. I've done it with my goddaughter before, and I've done it with athletes before. Because if you're going to train as a high-level athlete, sometimes I got to pull you out of school so that we can do the training that's necessary. So that was normal for me. We've already wait, made wait, a decision. Hold on, hold on. I'd be remiss if I let you continue to talk past these points you're making. I think we have to go with a, a brief history lesson and then a point of context here. Historically, the four of us did a podcast together called The Super Fantastic Show for multiple years and incredible content that lives on. That's right. That's right. Right. Relationship was a big part of it. And then we hit the brakes really hard because Dr. Ferguson was going through his divorce. Yes. Now this is the first time all four of us are back together. You're going to just talk right past that divorce? You might want to. <laughs> that, 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 that's, the, that's, the, that's the best and the most I can do. Um, if you if you notice, I didn't really talk about my divorce publicly online. I just said I went through a divorce. Right. Other than that, um, my ex is a chief medical officer of a big company. And outside of that, I got to follow the divorce decree. So <laughs> I, <laughs> so he's like, shut up, B. Back right. to the education and talk. And that's, what, and, that's what the, and that's what the hell I'm, I'm going to do. Anyway, like, back Right. Hey, she's a wonderful. She's a wonderful young lady. It just didn't work out. Like, hey, Clyde, you like you like. It just didn't work out with you, the two of us. I wish her the best. I think that everybody should be able to do what they want to do when they want to do it. It's mm-hmm. a beautiful thing about living in the in the, in the space that we live in now. Mm-hmm. And I, I think I think she's gonna do super fantastic as a black futurist. Like, yeah. I love it. I love it. So what I'm hearing is that, like myself and like you, Ferg, the producers were ready because we had been practicing already. Let me uh, say this. Let me say this. Yeah. And my children from doing years of IXL.com were already yeah. set. They had been doing Spanish. They had been doing reading and mm-hmm. had been doing math on mm-hmm. IXL.com. So the switch wasn't hard for them. And as I was telling you this, I wanted my children to do the Florida virtual school, especially since Roddy says she wants to do the Olympics in 2028. Rufus says he wants to be a Division One football player. Rufus tonight is starting second game of the season, starting as a ninth grader on his on his high school football team. He's already committed 
two years Florida virtual school and then go back to regular school because while everybody's sleeping in the morning, he can, he's in the gym getting the jump. Right. So he, he doesn't have a problem with the Florida virtual school. It is what we utilize on the elite athlete development side when it, when it comes to what, we, what you and I would call junior level athletes. There's no way for a elite level gymnast um, athlete or an elite level judo athlete to go That's to school cool. all day long and still be at the top of the world. They, they go to virtual school and we had two options. We had you can go to the virtual school within the county so that the county could get money for that student. But they weren't set up for that virtual learning space. So we use Florida virtual school who has been in they've been in business now for almost 15, 20 years. And there's a, a bylaw that I found that allows Rufus to choose whatever school he wants to go to in the state of Florida as a Florida virtual school student. Oh, nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Little- and yeah, I, so yeah, my daughter does ISL also. So, right, we were prepared. I, taught i know i'm no longer at this university but i taught online university courses so it's it's so similarly um to Roddy, i was able to um convert portions of my business my career into the online space um my this has actually prepared us well for what i had planned to do before i ever had a kid which was uh, world school my kid. So um, now this has, it's, you know, it sounds a little bit weird to some people, but now this makes it more accessible and more reasonable. So my plan was to, during, she's in the second grade, but from grade six through eight, I wanted to live in three or four different countries um, during that time and then come back to, you know, perhaps more traditional uh, high school, right? And so, as it was seemingly impossible at one point, how is she going to do this? How is she going to do it? opens back up, uh, we'll be able to consider that more seriously. I, I think one of the keys, man, and you said this, um, Coach B, is that those people who were drivers, on the front lines in terms of education. I mean, all of us back in the day, had, we all read Timothy Ferris's four-hour work week. If you read yep. that book early, you, you knew that you had to be prepared to move globally, move online, be, be fluid when, when it comes to decision-making. Those people who have an entrepreneur, entrepreneurial mindset and understand that the worst number of business is one, also understand that I can't have one form of issuance of anything. I can't have one account. I can't have one merchant account. I can't have one website company. That's I right. can't have like, so we're already ready to, as an entrepreneur, you're already ready to make the shift. Now, with that being said, I'm not telling you that we didn't have a pity party. We just had it really quick. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You have your pity card party, you fall out, you, you know, you, 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 you know, you, you pout a little bit and then you get on it and you get to work. And right. I mean, and it, it, it hurt a little bit on the business side, but man, the house ran fine. The so, house ran fine. so that, yeah, you're saying exactly. I'm, I'm agreeing 100% with you. And my question is to Maurice, the producers were ready in terms of the entrepreneur parents. I don't know if the schools 
the regular, regular schools were ready. And I definitely don't think that the students, let's say the second grader, Dougie's kid, you all know Doug, Doug Coppin's kid, his youngest boy is in kindergarten. They got him, you know, all for all these years, they've been trying to get him on less screen time. And now guess what? More yeah. screen time. No, n- yeah. n- nobody was ready. Absolutely nobody was ready for this. This is the longest consecutive number of months that American school children have been out of school since all 50 states adopted public education as compulsory. There has never been a time where American students have been out of school for this long, for any reason, right? War, whatever. And so nobody was ready. And I love Florida, y'all know that's that's my second home. But because Florida has absolutely shitty schools, and listen, by whatever measure you want to use, when I was there for about 10 years, at no point did Florida get higher than 47th out of 50 states. It was 47 through 50, usually 50, sometime Mississippi would be like, nah, we're going to occupy the bottom. So Ferg has... I was Mississippi had them beat. Ferg, and look, Florida, but Florida fights hard to get down to the bottom, man. Florida be fighting hard for that shit. Like, yo, no, no, we the worst. So I, knowing that and see what you're seeing is, so it takes somebody who... For example, has a doctorate and has taught online before, because that's the thing that nobody was ready for. Right. Like back to your question, Ferg, how does your class change? Shit, everything changes because now everything is a virtual interaction. And so what's happened is it's changed the definition of what we call school dependent and school independent. Four people on this phone call. It's a rack of of degrees and education and shit. All of us are or will be raising school independent kids, right? All of us know how to do school real well. Our kids, no matter what shitty school you put them in, for the most part, they're gonna be okay. It does, the school absolutely doesn't matter to me at all, never did. That's it, and so because, so now it's very interesting. So we got this privileged group, this education group now that is privileged. So so first kids- I work hard. Hey, and listen though, Right. But see, you worked your ass off and have the receipts, the immediate receipts to prove it, as opposed to someone who has always known privilege and education. Their family ain't never had anything different. Right. That's not any of our experience. But now folks like black folks with PhDs or people who have done teaching before. Now we're experts. And so that now that that definition of school dependent and school independent shifted, always said this, man. Take the whole achievement gap and all of that shit because they say the achievement gap and at the bottom of the achieve the so-called achievement gap is black and brown and so-called southeast yellow and red folks, right? All the people of color at the bottom of the achievement gap. And I've always said there would be no achievement gap if a school system existed where all the people of color were doing real well and the white kids were doing poorly. They figure that shit out immediately. The entire education system would be reformed and fixed. So now... Some of the people of color who have the benefit of online teaching and have done creative things, they may be content creators. Um, And one of the things we see now, popular culture, these content creators now, do they get their love? You invented a TikTok dance and now black Twitter will come after a white person (laughs) doing the TikTok dance and say, no, you need to show who invented it. So now the people who have learned how to curate and teach online, we're in the catbird seat. And so it's changing 
what democracy looks like in education. Because now a 12-year-old who can teach a TikTok dance is probably better than a 63-year-old trying to figure out. And you only see the top of their face as they're trying to teach your seven-year-old on Zoom, right? And so and a lot me, of that's let, let me say this. And here, here's the issue with that is that, and I think Jada can speak to this too, that space is, is created, but right now the wealth gap is widening. So you can have all that knowledge and can't capitalize off of it. Yep. You can come up with a great idea. You, you can sit down at your computer at no cost and write a great book. You can. But you still need you, – and you can think you can market it with Facebook if you want to. You still need a funnel. You still need e- email. You still need an autoresponder. You still need the – there are things that you need to make those particular things happen. And if and there, there are people who have all this knowledge, but they don't sit in a seat of advantage to do anything with it. And that that's the sad part about this particular pandemic. There are still people who are really, really, really financially hurting. And I'm not going to tell you that I wasn't one of them. Sure. I had a, a, a pretty good foundational bed that I could lay down on that I had to dip into. But man, it was tough. A lot. Of, I saw a lot of my friends go out of business during yep. the pandemic. Yeah. A lot of them. Yeah. A lot of them. Well, go right. Out. And that's, and that's really the least of it. I mean, you know, going out of business is unfortunate or having to put your business on pause is unfortunate. But the people who are now losing homes now that the courthouses are back open and they're hearing, you know, cases about garnishments and cases mm-hmm. about foreclosures and are legit putting people out of their homes despite this global pandemic. Um, you know, hospitals, hospitals are furloughing patient care providers um, yep. in the middle of a global healthcare pandemic. It's ridiculous uh, the number of, of people who are experiencing this wealth loss. And of course, the wealth gap is widening, right? Um, the, the disparity gap is widening yeah. because this is the time where the really wealthy will snap up homes and whole neighborhoods and businesses. And they are making, you know, millions and billions and trillions if they're able to. Right. So, and then the, you know, not only that Jada sitting around talking about it and waiting for it to happen. Right. And not trying to stop it, trying to propagate its occurrence. To me, the, Right. The yeah. next wave of the pandemic is not going to be an outbreak. I don't think it will be an outbreak of COVID-19, it's, except in Florida, where basically y'all are like the program there. We all just spitting each other's listen, mouths listen, every day. Y'all are, y'all don't listen, give two Florida, bucks. Listen, Rufus are like, Daddy, you think we want to play football? I said, son, this is Florida. <laughs> football is a religion. They close yeah. the damn churches and the football going to be open. Right. Okay? <laughs> I've said... Many times when I lived in Florida, I learned that the proper order is football, football. Christianity, Judaism, and then there's this something that these brown people do and Allah is involved. That's the major religions in the state of Florida. <laughs> and look, the the second the, the second round of this pandemic, I think, despite what is happening, is going to be, to Jada's point, it's going to be the financial reckoning. It's going to be these people who have lost their businesses, lost their houses. And these people look what, what's going to happen if you turn out and you have to evict or you financially absolutely destroy five percent of the population. What are they going to do? Mm-hmm. They're going to participate in the economy somehow. 
Yeah. Right. I I I am on record <laughs> as saying in mid March that this was going to be like navigating the bubonic plague and the Great Depression at the same damn time. You know what's For interesting sure. about that is I had a guy that I was talking to the other day in the, in the neighborhood, and we were talking about I, I built a home gym now because I can't I can't go to the gym. I refuse to go. I don't I don't trust the gym. Uh, plus, there are a lot of old people that go to my gym. So I'm not I'm not going. So I built a home gym. I had nothing. Now I have stuff. And the guy was dropping off a, uh, a bench. And in our conversation about COVID and about how, why I wasn't going back to the gym, he said, well, you know, I mean, even if it's a hoax, da 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 And he kept talking. And I was like, immediately I started seeing the faces of the friends that I have that are deceased. That have died. How is it even possible that anyone would say, you know, well, even if it was a hoax, how does how's the H word even in your vocabulary? And then I watched a documentary. Live in North Carolina. Then I watched a documentary on social media. I was talking to Maurice about this the other day. And they were talking about how the algorithms can present two different facts, fact sets to 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 two different people. So you can be operating on what facts that you've read and seen videos about on the internet and my facts are completely different and both of us believe and are acting fully on our belief in these varying sets of facts it's an incredible time um you know to to be alive and and watch this stuff happen because not all of it and a lot of it really isn't good well i i get totally completely grounded every day because i do work in a children's hospital so I remember when we had our first COVID case, that little girl made the news um, back in the spring. And now it is a thing that is not talked about. And the cases are um, at the hospital. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, the, 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 so we are not talking about how sick kids are, or, you know, any of those things to the degree that we were fearing it several months ago, but we have COVID cases aplenty um, at this, you know, at the children's hospital. As the Mm -hmm. CDC has pointed out to us, most, most of the teenagers and children who have died from COVID-19 are black and Latinx. Most of them, shoot, damn near all of them who have died and the proportions make absolutely no sense compared to our proportions in the population. So let me tell you something. The people don't care. Right. And I'm, and see well, I'm telling now let me I'm, throw this out. Let me throw this out though. They don't care. I know a lot of us are rightfully afraid. We are cautious. We're skeptical of the government and vaccines. But let me tell you, and and I'm not going to encourage anyone to do anything, but let me say this as a researcher, we desperately need to know what a vaccine is going to do to black and brown folks, because our kids, we're talking about school and going back to school, literally our children are the ones who are at the highest risk. Listen, I don't think people are paying attention to what's happening. I just took a, um, which is really good, man. I took a Harvard EDX course on Ebola and pandemics. Mm. I, would highly, I would highly recommend anybody to take it. I, I, I thought it was absolutely fantastic. And they spoke about the steps that 
you have to take in damn near any every and any pandemic. I mean, Jada works in the hospital. There are there are literally basic steps that I mean, every pandemic follows the same damn playbook. Same. Trump violated one of the most crucial steps in the playbook. And that crucial step is pitting the public against the media. Hmm. Once you do that, you stop the information from coming to the public. The information can no longer get in line and do the things to stop the pandemic. That's why you have this mask, no mask. It's a hoax, not a hoax. That is the worst thing that you can do. And then what he did is by tweeting himself and calling people fake media, he subverts that process. And then people have to go to him as the outlet for what's true and what's false. Right. This is it so, is what happened is in so, Jaws. We, this is literally what it's, happened it's, in Jaws. You said in Jaws? Yes. Scientist was was against the the uh, mm-hmm. city council people, the mayor, yep. right? Literally, <laughs> literally, wow. he was trying to describe the sharks. And the outbreak of sharks swimming in the water, and these cats is like, nah, we need to, we need to go to the beach, open yeah. America up, open the yeah. beaches up, yeah. <laughs> make the beaches full again. Man, it, it, it's it's unbelievable, man. And I I didn't realize that the three biggest organizations that contribute to the World Health Organization was was it was the Clinton Foundation, the Gates Foundation. Gates Foundation. And the United States of America and the United States of America is pulling their funding mm-hmm. because he's looking at it. And the second thing they said is you cannot look at a pandemic based upon the numbers in business because it's not going to make sense from a business standpoint. It's not about dollars and cents. And if you make it a dollars and cents, which Trump did, and says we're not getting anything back for our money. People do. The thing about it is that the people at the top end, their health care is better than the people at the low end. So President Trump goes into the White House every day with a bubble around him. All right. those people are tested, tested. He doesn't even have to get tested. All the people around him are tested. Tested, 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 tested. You don't need no mask. Tested, tested, tested. So listen, so, he, so he, he can walk around in a mask because the bubble around him is, is clean. Most, everybody else's life is not like that. The people at the top end are like that. So I have a place that I go to, um, it's called the Tampa Club, all right? It's like a country club place. You go into the Tampa Club- Sounds like a strip club. I'm just going to say it. No, it's, no, it's, it's not a strip club. It's That's a good guess. You go into the Tampa Club, and there's no mask in there. There's no mask in there. Yeah. Mm. Those, those, people are, those people are high-end, upper crust. They're not. Their life is different, man. They live it. They live it. There's different. There's, there's that. Plus, they live in five thousand square foot homes. They right? do, and, Versus, and they, have, they have concierge medicine. Right, right, but they're not—they're not living, you know, six in an apartment, or right. you know, or in the hood, or sharing a car, or you know, they're not doing right. all these things that put them at close proximity anyway. So even their bubble or their pod is significantly smaller and more spaced out. So, so their, their truth, which is not the truth, is different. And they purport their truth as if it is a fact. You can't, problem. you can't speak to nobody about a pandemic from an experiential standpoint if literally <laughs> in your lifetime you do not 
come in any sort of social contact with someone who has ridden a bus. When you can go decades and say, yes, I have not interacted with another human being that was at a bus, right? That was on a bus. When you can do that, like your paradigm for interaction, contact tracing, what it means to like illness looks different to you because it just doesn't get spread the same way. Right. So right. yeah, th- those are the people who are at the strip club in Tampa talking about, yeah, I don't need no mask. It's all a hoax. Hey, listen, I will kick your whole ass. Hey man, if you want to go to the strip club, I'm not mad at you going to, you're a single man. Hey, they make good wings. Listen, the, what, what's very clear to me just listening to this conversation is is a conflux of two things. One, Ferg, you said uh, you talked about how Trump has blurred the lines of information in such a way that it has become debilitating. And then we just talked about a class of people who, due to their wealth, uh, are are able to function in a way that is devoid of caution. And what I hear and where my mind goes is, well, I don't live in a 5,000 square foot house and I, and I have been on a bus before. They have, they have caution injected as a privilege that they don't even see. Hmm. Right, right. And, I, and, and here's where I'm going with it. I'm closer. I mean, well, I don't have I don't have a 5,000 square foot house, but I don't have the concerns that we just talked about with, you know, not being able to social distance within my home and within my sphere. I'm 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 privileged beyond the necessity of having to go to work, having to get on a bus. And it sounds to me like in order to help our people, those of us who don't have the level of uh, privilege that we have based on our education and our and our and our work that we need to maybe create a clear line of information, a way to, to, to really have, to ring the bell and send clear signal to our folks. Where are they listening currently? And is it possible? Is it something we can do? Listen, let me, let me tell you something. I, I, I gotta, I'm gonna speak first, because I have to go soon. I'm, I'm sorry, Jed, I didn't mean to cut in. I'm gonna no, tell no you this. Go ahead. I'm gonna tell you this. The messaging has been so I mean, just not even conflated, just jumbled up with I'm beautiful no matter what I eat. <laughs> Jesus. Back where we started. I'm not <laughs> I'm not naming any people. No, 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 listen to me. Because yeah. I already know. I already know. We're, we're super fantastic show. <laughs> listen, no, no. I, I just need self-defense, okay? I just need self-defense. The first line of self-defense. I don't care if it's if it's karate, kung fu, judo, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, or we're talking about in nursing and doctoring and medicine, because doctoring and medicine are two different things, okay? You have to take care of yourself and your input. The fruits and the vegetables and the and the macronutrients and the micronutrients and pantry, that's the key. Before we talk about anything, that that is the key. Listen, man, we can't. We, we we can't help you without that. We cannot help you without that. No. Then we, we're back. We're back to Coach B's talk about the food deserts. We're, we're, we're right back in the same health and wellness space. We're back in the same Farrakhan space. We're back in the same do what you need to do for yourself space. We're back in the same space. So yes, B, where are they and who are they going to be listening to? Because I ain't even going to say the woman name 
the woman let all y'all people down on the path to hell and then changed gears on y'all because she got a personal chef and became a vegan on y'all ass and y'all done follow her and she done sent some of y'all to hell. She done sent y'all to health and wellness hell telling y'all y'all can eat what y'all want to eat and she lied to y'all. That's a lie straight from the pit. This message is brought to you by Olympian Dr. Roddy Ferguson. Let me, let me say this. I have And he just um, smacked the mic off his desk. That's right. <laughs> I have I have been surrounded by folks who um were, you know, busy with life and uh, you know, have, might not have been taking care of themselves, but during this time where they have had to be at home are really, really doing it. Like they too be have built home gyms. They are thinking more about what they order from Instacart, like all of the things and the results after these, what, six months, the results mm-hmm. are showing. I mean, lifestyle changes uh, have happened. So, uh, Roddy, I hope that makes you feel a little bit better. But what what I really want to say about the point is that it's, it's tough to listen to um us talk about how contagious the the um the disease is and the chronic the long-term chronic disorders that it may cause when people still have to go to work like there is no relief for the people who you know have to work the everyday jobs there is no mortgage relief there is no anything to incentivize staying mm-hmm. home, being safe, working less. There's there's nothing. Yeah. Uh, so we can, you know, please, let's work on getting the messaging out there. I have a visitor. <laughs> let's work on getting the messaging out there. Mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, we, we, what happened, hold on, what happened in other parts of the world to make this more successful, uh, Italy, for example, they had um, bill and mortgage relief. They provided um, uh, uh, stimulus checks. They called them something different, but to their residents so that they could survive. They could thrive during this time when everybody needed to sit down. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's a difference. That's a that's a compassionate type of leadership to to Ferg's point when he's talking about our president and that top-down communication and what it looks like and how it manifests in how we're governed. Yeah, it's different when you look at folks from a business standpoint and say, okay, what number of people can we save? What number? Because business is about the widgets compared to the dollars. So how many widgets are gonna die? How many widgets are going to live and how many more widgets can we get if we spend more money? You don't think about anything like (laughs) prevention or the economic impact later on, or does it disproportionately affect people by class, by race, by gender? You don't think about any of that. You just simply say, hey, this is the number of widgets. And and when you dehumanize the people, you engage in governance that's not humane. And so when you engage in governance that's not humane, you're okay with letting widgets die because it's just it's just numbers, right? It's not humans, it's not people. So I always, I always picture like if I was ever in any negotiation in school districts and when they're like, like, hey, we're gonna open school, I would say, okay, which one of you is going to be responsible for the messaging when children die from COVID-19? And if no one else 
is if no one is willing to be that person or you're just going to, you know, get on your knees, screw your eyes closed, wish to, you know, God, a lot of minions of Cthulhu and whoever else that it don't happen. You have no business. You have no business governing children or other human beings. Right. If you're going to pretend like that's the case. So if you don't get the response that people are saying, well, wait, no, we don't want any children to die. Business mentality is how many widgets are going to die. Then throw in the fact that, you know, our government, our, our federal government is largely white supremacist and almost openly so. They really don't give a shit that it's black and brown kids dying. They're like, ah, oh, send them all back to school. We don't care. Our kids are okay. Mm. It's not our widgets. It's somebody I, else's think, company. Yeah, I think that it's it's not even that they don't care. I think it, I don't think that genocide is too strong a term to be used with what's happening now, right? I think that I've been doing health health disparity work for a long time. So mm -hmm. I know that when anything happens in terms of, um, you know, health care, health equity, we're going to get the short end of the stick, right? I know that. So when this was coming from the other side of the world, I knew it wasn't going to be good for us. I remember the jokes about people saying, "Does anybody has anybody black even died of COVID? Yes, we, we will. We have. It's It's happening. Don't, you know. Not to worry, but I think that when um, when the president and you know the people who surrounded him really saw and understood that it was happening to us more and would continue to happen to us more, I think I think he increased the mm -hmm. rhetoric on mm -hmm. it being a hoax. I, I think that there was some level of well, let's fall back, let's think more about it. But really, when he saw who it was affecting, he's full speed ahead. They won't be able to vote in the election. They won't be able to do a whole bunch of other stuff. I, I really can Hitler this thing on out, and we don't have <laughs> to have one single concentration camp, right? They'll, mm. they'll, yeah. Hey, I want to welcome on board our good friend, <laughs> friend of the show, Eric Roberson, father <laughs> of, fa husband, father of three, and recent uh, guy sleeping on the couch. What's going on, hey. sir? Hey, man, that couch, that couch sleep good, man. I'm getting comfortable, you know what I'm saying? Don't get too comfortable, I got more Don't. I got more, I got more privacy in the couch than, than in, my, in my bedroom. All the kids come and No, I'm stopping. I'm, it's, all, <laughs> it's all good. No, it's all jokes. I joke, I joke, I kid, I kid. E, what's good, gentlemen? What, what? And, and lady, how are you? I'm well, good. thank you. Good. E, what's the conversation at home now? The kids are home learning. And how are you guys talking about COVID at the house and with your folks and stuff? What's, give us, let, let us in on the talk. Well, I'll tell you, man. Now that school started, it actually might be a little bit more balanced, man. The summer was what was crazy for us. Like we had three boys in the house. I guess, you know, we're trying to keep them off electronics to some degree. And then the, everything they just wanted to, to do with us. You know, we built them a playground in the backyard. Were you going out there with us? You know, mm. it's like <laughs> there's a swimming pool back there. You going swimming with us? And it was great because, you know, I got, I mean, I taught my boys how to ride bikes this summer, taught each one how to yeah. swim this summer. I mean, it was like really invested. It was a great, great summer. But at the same time, I sacrificed a lot. Eric like, Robinson I mean, is I, a Grammy nominated singer who sits in a room surrounded by electronics all day and wants his <laughs> kids to spend less time on electronics. <laughs> and it is. Well, well, the same yeah. way. <laughs> what, what, think, what think about this? I only turn on the electronics at like maybe seven o'clock. 
p.m. Mm-hmm. Literally from 10 o'clock in the morning till about 6. Because then, of course, even at 5 o'clock, my wife finishes work. Now it's some quality family time. So it's like 7, 8 o'clock. I'm finally turning equipment on, trying to rekindle this, this, these ideas that I had in my brain. And, and, and every that little boy that lives o'clock. in your house who, who looks and responds just like you is waiting for 7 o'clock because that's when the lights come on. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Thanks right. for coming outside and so, teaching me how to so ride a bike, Dad. Look, we're all in the struggle, man. So, you know, the main thing is just trying to keep our kids safe and give the best that we can to them. You know what I mean? So it's been a bit crazy. Now, mind you, we've been very careful. My wife, we're very open about it. My wife has uh, multiple sclerosis. She's doing very well, but we try to be very smart about it. She's one of the last people that should get COVID, you know, because it would, like, when my wife gets sick and catches a fever, she has symptoms that flare up. So, you know, high temperatures and stuff like that is just something we got to stay away from. So we've been really careful from that degree. And uh, my kids, when they ask questions, we probably had more tougher questions with, like, say, George Floyd than yeah. we did with COVID. Yeah. Kids, the kids, you know, they were kind of like, understand, okay, why are we not going back to school? All right, there's this, there's this virus. We got to wash our hands. Why can't we go to grandma and grandpa's house? Listen, you know, grandpa and grandma, my grandfather has diabetes. He don't need it either. You know, mm-hmm. they, they kind of understood that a little bit more. And, you know, we so I, even the summer came, I was like, yo, we're just going to create a fun camp. I'm, I, I'll put aside work and work later and, and stuff like that. Uh, but when a lot of the racial tension, police shooting, that's when my oldest son, my, my oldest son, Rod, who's nine, Really started having questions. Are cops supposed to be good, Dad? I guess like, uh, all right, let's sit down and have a conversation. How old are the boys? He and nine. Well, well, Rock will be uh, ten on Monday, so pretty much ten, eight, and four. Mm-hmm. And um, and they 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 they're doing well as far as online. You know, I, I also, if I don't wear enough hats, I teach uh, at Berkeley College of Music, oh. and we're doing online. And uh, so these last two weeks have kicked my tail just from not just the homeschooling standpoint, but just getting back in the rhythm of teaching, you know what I'm saying? Is like, it probably been the the hardest thing for me since COVID, to be honest, has been that. But, um, but you know, first of all, man, we still here, (laughs) you know what Mm -hmm. I mean? We still here. And I've already, I've already told my wife, I said, listen, man, this is why we worked hard. We got a, a decent house. We got space. We can go. When you need to go into another room and close out, so be it. If there's a day that we just let these kids zone out on electronics, so be it. Yep. Let's just survive this. Yep. You know? I, I can't imagine and- having had my kids be the age your kids are and not having parental support. Like, my parents were instrumental in raising and helping raise those kids when they were the age your boys yep. are now. So it's yeah. a, it's a whole different paradigm. Jada, are you at the hospital full time during the day? Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, so I'm at the hospital full time during the day. I'm a lactation consultant at the hospital. 100% mm-hmm. of our babies are sick. So it's not a birth hospital. So 100% of our babies are sick. Um, and during the time when when uh, visitation was was quite strict, I was one of the people at the hospital who came in closest contact with people from the outside because I am in mom's face trying to help that baby to latch. Right. So I am right there. Um, PPE was um, a- a- available. So that part wasn't an issue per se. But, yeah, I am there. I am. 
uh, I'm doing more phone consultations or, mm-hmm. you know, as many as I can, uh, providing phone or virtual support. Uh, we, we have started. So HIP has, during this time, HIPAA has suspended um, some of their regulations. So I can use FaceTime, right, okay. without uh, without violation. Um, and so, yeah, I so I'm there full time. I am not physically seeing as many moms and babies well, as my, my, I would have. My question was to the to the healthcare workers and other people who are essential workers per se that still have to go somewhere every day who yeah. have kids. How are you handling that? Like, what are you doing with your with your daughter? Yeah. So uh, back in March, I got with another. Uh, family and we are co-schooling the children. So she works from home every day. Um, my mother uh, is a part of our pod. We d- developed this Petri dish early. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, they are, you know, between the two or three houses and that's it. And okay. all of those families really agree. And so they, we alternate housing, um, and we provide, you know, we provide education, we provide food, we do all of the things. So we named our school, we call it Chatty Academy, um, Corona wow. Homeschool Academy for talented and talkative youth. And, <laughs> Chatty. <laughs> and uh, we had T-shirts at the end of the year. I mean, we were doing it up so that when pods really did become a thing right at the beginning of this school year, people were saying, can we join Chatty? Can we enroll in Chatty? Hey, no. Nope. We- <laughs> we know where we have been. You can franchise. And yeah, we are really good about communicating. Hey, my sister is coming in town, but she got tested, or you know, we we are communicating in that way um, with mad respect for each other. So it's working. Yeah, that's the deal. And, and I'm wondering. It's great that you have another family that's that's got the same priorities. Because my next question, which you preempted, was. If you're an essential worker who has your kid who's now doing online education, how does that even work? But you've got another, you've got your co-parenting basically with these other families, which is fantastic. Yeah, co-parenting with this other family. It's still not easy. And this is what I've had to explain to to my boss, my my co-workers. It's not easy. I, I get calls. What's the password? She can't get on. Does she really have to turn this work into Flipgrid, <laughs> right? All of those things are still are still happening, but, um, you know, we, we are making it work. We're making it work. Yeah. And I say on behalf of teachers everywhere, I cannot say this in any sort of public space enough. The one thing that I am thankful for, the only thing I'm thankful for out of this whole pandemic is all of those parents who ever said teachers Uh. teach nine months out of the year and get three months off. It's gotta be the easiest well we respect teachers but really how hard can it be you just get paid for nine months okay the reason why we're not in school for 12 months is because we don't want to be around your terrible children for an entire year we can't bear them to be in that's why y'all as parents don't have a normal daily interaction with your kid. You have a normal nightly interaction after school. And so now you're seeing what your kids are like during the day when they're turned on. And let me not make it all bad. 
when they're turned on and they want to pull and they want to knock on daddy's studio door at seven o'clock at night, they're turned <laughs> on and activated. And now you got to figure out how do I take this turned on and activated and turn it into something productive. So shout out to everybody failing at teaching. I'm <laughs> glad you got a chance to fail at something if you thought it was easy or you thought you could do I'm glad you're failing. The other thing I will say on the positive end right now, longtime educator working with parents who are creating pods, you know, creating home learning spaces, it's dope. I would tell you, and it just is just general advice, don't try to teach the curriculum. Don't try to create your own curriculum. You're not experts in that. What you should do is take a set of experiences that you want your children to have. Yeah. Period. I want to take my kids to the zoo. Boom. Get a pod. Get your kids. Take them to the zoo. I want my kids to, you mentioned Jada, I want my kids to experience another country. Cool. We're going to Canada. And we're going to walk around and see some shops. And we're going to look at, and there's some signs that are in French. Cool. Just turn it into the greatest set of life learning experiences that you can. Because after hundreds of years of trying to figure out how to educate children in a formal school environment, you're not going to be able to replicate any of that to take your child from what may be like you, you mentioned, e, like your, you know, son 10, you know, to take him from third to fourth or fourth to fifth grade or fifth to sixth grade. Nobody is equipped to do that. And let me talk back to even professional educators who are floundering around trying to use Zoom, right? Because <laughs> they don't know how to use the technology. Right. Educators are screwing this up too. So I think everybody can take a step back and simply say, hey, I have said, I think this year in American public schools should be a wash. I'm the radical. I say- I have said yeah. this is a gap year for everybody. It's a gap year for everybody. We are, yeah. we are maintaining, but if, you know- Half of the school is not on level by the end of the year. I'm not going to be mad, right? It's all good for you all to say that, but I got a kid who just graduated high school and one who's a senior this year. We're supposed to be at Howard right now and next year. This is is what I'm saying. So so while Maurice was saying, no, no, you said, um, you know, not imagining having a kid this age. Again, my daughter is seven. I, I feel for the parents who do have high school and college age kids, college age, because I can't say you're not going back to school or you're not going to your friend's wow. house or you're not going to that party. Right. I can't say that at that age or either. Tell me how I can be because you don't look like you agree. But, <laughs> <laughs> but um, and then high school, because I loved high school. I did all the things I was captain of the cheerleading squad and homecoming queen. Like I would want my kid to have all 100% of those experiences. So now I feel like we have this gap year. We, we hand in our assignments um, and we do our thing, but I'm hoping that we'll catch up later on. Right. We're completely out of gymnastics right now, which is heartbreaking for me, but for somebody who's not an elite gymnast, I feel like that's the safest thing to do at this point, hoping that she'll catch up. Maybe she won't. That's why we're now in, on piano and guitar, right? Now mm-hmm. we got to go <laughs> after that music scholarship. <laughs> hey, right? hey. So, uh, 
Maurice, Maurice, let me just say to you, my daughter is so sweet at school and she gives us the blues at home. So I wish she were that at school kid for me (laughs) (laughs) during the day. (laughs) Eric, I want to put you in the, I want to put you in the time machine real quick. E, you get this time machine. You get to go back for 12 hours to 1990. Wow. and, And talk to your dad and you say, dad, listen, I need you to keep me as a senior in high school this year at home all day and away from girls, away from girls. All I could do is I could talk on the phone, but I can't leave the house. How's that going to go? No, I'll tell you, I'll tell you an actual experience. I remember when I turned 13 and my sister was, had graduated high school in Alfred College now, that summer my parents put me on punishment. I had a job. Like I, you know, I had a little pay route or whatever I had, worked work, whatever. I had great grades, and I mean, I pretty much just wanted to go see my friends from church. And my parents <laughs> both worked and decided. I know for a fact that they put me on punishment for the whole summer, <laughs> for no reason, just because they knew what they were smelling in me at thirteen years old. But E, that's thirteen. So, you didn't even had a beard right. yet. By seventeen, you so had the beard. So I say this, I say there was one night I asked, I remember I said, yo, can I go to, it was a church picnic. I knew some girls were going to be there or whatever that, and they said no. I said, what do you mean a church picnic? I can't go to church picnic. Why are you talking back? You don't punish me. <laughs> yo, there's somebody no say, say another word, it's another week. Ah, that's another word. It's another, I see. So I walk away. My parents end up leaving. I walk upstairs. I'm so mad that I punch a wall and my arm goes through the wall, Right? And at this point, as I'm pulling my arm out the sheetrock, <laughs> I'm realizing that I am not going to see the sun mm-hmm. for the rest You're of the stuff. Like, this is, <laughs> this is done. It's a wrap. But I was so frustrated that I put literally put an arm through a wall because I couldn't go to a church picnic. Right. So imagine, I can't imagine at 17 years old, you can't, you can probably drive now. You can't go outside. You can't go see little shorty wop or your boys want to play basketball. I mean, look, no, I, I got a, I got an 18 no, and so, a 17 year old in my house. Oh yeah. Right now. Yeah. You know, what's so ugly, Eric, is that your parents at some point, if you were to ask them now, they drew your mom and dad drew a spot oh. on the wall where they knew you were going to punch it because <laughs> they set you up from junk. They was like, you ever seen the movie, the game? And I'm going to ruin the end. If you haven't seen the game, the movie's 30 years old. At the end, you think he's going to die. He jumps and lands right where they predicted he would try to commit suicide. They they hit you with the Michael Douglas X. You go back and look at that room. There's an X where one of your parents was wrong and the other was right. (laughs) They're like, hey, we need to punch him the whole summer. How are we going to do it? Unfairly. Okay, good. (laughs) (laughs) And I got got that. Let me tell you, I know exactly that conversation. I tell and they they be playing dumps to this day. And I talk to them about it. I say, yo, I know y'all sat down and y'all said, Alicia's not here anymore. Are we literally going to keep this 13-year-old in this house, let him roam around Rawway, New Jersey on his bike, Go see little shorty, whatever they said. No, what what are we gonna do? We just gonna wait for the opportune moment and put him on punishment. And he gonna get upset about being on punishment. And he and he gonna talk, say something crazy. We gonna and we gonna extend it. And he just gonna stay in the house another week in the hole. In the hole. <laughs> the whole summer. The whole summer. And it, it made and it made sense because real talk. I probably had it. I probably have some 30, 30 year old son out here. <laughs> 
<laughs> you know what I mean? I'll be looking like a, I'll be like an older You'll brother, be uncle, or something. Yeah, I'll be pop pop right now. I'll be pop pop right now. So they knew, they 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 knew it, it was probably for the best. And there's gonna be a day where I'm gonna be like, yo, Rock on want to go outside. I'm like, nah, be guess what? Corona came back. Stay home. You know, because he's because he's he's smelling himself. And I'm like, nah, you not. I see I see in your eyes. So you ain't going to go see Karen. You get your butt back in this house. You know. So you know it is what it is, man. But it's parent parent. Listen, man, it ain't easy, man. It ain't easy. Right. Hey. So. That's our show today. I love you all. Thank you so much. Tune in next week. Boom. Best of luck to all y'all.